Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of This Week in the Bush League, hosted by the Chief and the Champ. I'm the Chief, and I have a personal appointment with the Mayor of Lancaster this week. Ooh, wow. I can't wait to hear about that. And I am the Champ, and I want to thank Mookie Betts for my free Doritos Loco Taco. Oh, Oh, you want a taco? Yeah, I, I actually, it, it just so happened that I had to be going by two Taco Bells on Wednesday, so I got two tacos. Okay, all right, so you're a Mookie. So thank you, thank you, Mookie Betts. You're a Mookie Betts fan now? I, I am. You know what? Um, d- did you like the way he played in the World Series? And we'll, I guess we'll talk about that coming up. I like the way the guy plays in May, April, June. That, guy, <laughs> that guy's unbelievable. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Hey, hey, tell me about the, what's going on with you uh, and, and the mayor. What's what's happening? Yeah, so uh, I live in Lancaster City, um, and they're they uh, they're having a re- they're making a change in the police chief, right? And it's it seems to be a smooth transition. There, if you read about it, you you'll see conflicting reports, but whatever. They're, they're making a change in the police chief. So uh, I had lunch with uh, Greg Souders a couple weeks ago. And he told me a, a, a former colleague of mine, he's a chief at, in the Air Force uh, at, the, at the guard base at Middletown. He said, yeah, hey, this guy is interviewing for the uh, chief of police in Lancaster. And I thought, you know what, I've known this guy for about five years. Uh, he's a retired Pennsylvania State police officer. And then he was a, a traditional air guardsman while he was a policeman. Then he switched over to full-time to the Air Force, and then uh, they must have contacted him. So I thought, you know, I'm going to call the mayor's office. I know I'm going to get a recording, but, you know, I'm going to say, hey, I'm a resident of the city. I know the guy you're interviewing. I've worked with him. The guy's an awesome personality, awesome leader. Uh, There's some characteristics that that I think would make him a good fit here in Lancaster. And I, I I said, you know, here's my name. Here's my number. If you have any questions, give me a call back. So that was Monday morning. And I, I didn't expect anybody to call, but I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to call, leave a message. Maybe others will as well. I don't know. And then on Wednesday of that week, I get a call. I didn't recognize the number, answered it, and they said, hey, this is, I can't even remember her name, saying from the mayor's office in Lancaster City, the mayor would like to speak with you next week. Would you have time? <laughs> so I just kind of chuckled. I'm like, yeah, have her give me a call. <laughs> So um, I have an appointment at 1 o'clock this Wednesday, November 4th, to speak with the mayor about um, about the police chief interviewee. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's good, good for you for, for having a little bit of a political uh, activism. Um, I'm going to take a different route on this, and I, I'm just going to say that I think the police chief – or excuse me, the mayor of Lancaster is probably – a closet fan of this podcast and really just wants to meet you and, and find out who you really are. And uh, I think he's a fan of the show. So, well, okay. Right? He's, uh, he... A couple things. Uh, number one, it's a woman. So oh, now I, I know, apologize no, now I know how you think. Secondly, uh, trust me, our podcast is coming up in the conversation somehow. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> I'm gonna, maybe I'll end it and say, hey, I have, a po- I have a weekly podcast, so I can't stay on too long. So get get to your point. 
Hey, maybe what you can use is use the old software that we started with this podcast, tape a call, and we can we can put it on there, oh, yeah. and you can have your own uh, agenda. This would be awesome. Wow, <laughs> which league goes political? Yeah. So friend, um, friend of the roosters. What, what's 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 her name? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. I have to I have to do some research on her. Uh, it's Deanne. Um, I, I can't pronounce her last name. I, I I'm I'm not good with that. I, I'm going to yeah. spell it. You know me. what? Why don't we do this instead? Why don't we cut cut to the chase and just have Bill do a little research and get back to you? So Deneen Sorase, uh, S-O-R-A-C-E. Um, she's been a mayor a couple of years. Um, okay. And uh, she, I think she went to Rutgers. I, I did look up that much. I just wanted to see where she went to school. I always find it interesting where people go to school. So Absolutely. I was going to yeah. do that. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I got this week. One o'clock. Uh, of course, she's, we're doing a phone conversation, and she's going to call me. So, okay, yeah, all right. pretty interesting. Well, you you, you know, as, as they say, you and I have that real radio face, so it's probably better on a phone call. Right. So, if you have some ideas of how I can slip in the twibble in that in this conversation. <laughs> Hey, for anybody listening to this podcast before Wednesday, please text us and let us know. <laughs> you know, Mrs. Mayor, it reminds me of an episode on Twibble. So uh, that's what I'm going to – maybe I'll bring it up. And i got to figure out what I call her, right? I, I think it's Mrs. Mayor, right? Mrs. Mayor, I would say. Yeah. Right. Right. Your, your Honor. Not to be confused with John Mayor. Right. All right. Right. So if my, nice. and if my buddy becomes the police chief, I, I talked to him. I called him and said, hey, I, I made a call for you, and I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. And I, I, I'm meeting with the mayor on Wednesday, and he, he laughed. And I said, hey, if this works out, I want a parking pass. I just <laughs> <laughs> want to be able to park anywhere yeah. I want. <laughs> there, there's got to be a little bit of quid pro quo here, yeah. doesn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Excellent. All right. All right. So, hey, did you watch that World Series? Tell, tell, tell me, talk to me about this. Uh, I did. You know, Dodgers win first time since what, nineteen eighty-eight? Yeah, and I watched that World Series too, and I was as shocked of uh, Kirk Gibson hitting that home run as I was Blake Snell being pulled out. <laughs> I, was, I was, the shock was about the same. What, what was your uh, thoughts I, on I'm, that? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, you know, completely. Okay, so here's two teams. Uh, completely different styles, right? I yeah. Mean, Tampa is really into the sabermetrics, and, and, and I'm sure that Kevin Cash had a whole bunch of situations that said, hey, get to this point, these number of pitches, this, this inning, this is when you pull Blake Snell. And I, I, I think the eye test said you leave him in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there was a question of leaving him in. Yeah, he was, he was cruising. I mean, yeah, he gave yeah. up a run, he, but he had nine Ks, I think, in six in the third innings when he took him out. I mean, you're not going to shut that Dodger team out. I mean, you're probably going to give up two or three runs, and that's that's okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed in that, and obviously Blake Snell was too in half of Twitter. Um, but I, I just I, – I don't – like we talked about before, the Dodgers have too much. I, I think they have too much hitting to – to, like they're not going. If they played 15 games, the Dodgers would win eight of them. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think it mattered. Six games, seven games. I think the Dodgers were going to win. Were you impressed by their, by their hitting? It's a pretty, pretty good hitting team. Yeah, um, they just have 
in comparison to almost all, like, except for possibly San Diego, they just had such a long lineup. And, you know, you, you add in the DH, and they, they just run so deep. Um, I, I know they were a little bit disappointed with, with, with their pitching, but um, they, they just look good. And, um, and you contrast that with, with Tampa, and they just kind of sat back and, and waited for that, that, that big inning. And, you know, they, I don't think it's lightning in a bottle. I think Randy Orozarena is, is, is the real deal, much to the, uh, uh, the amusement of, of Cardinal fans. But um, it looks like they, they, they would just sit back and, and wait for that big, that big inning. You know, like Earl Weaver used to like, you know, his favorite, his favorite tool was the three-run homer. And um, you've mentioned this a lot of times before to me, Roger, but you talked about once you get into the playoffs, you really need to start putting the ball in the play, in, in the play, and yeah, make do. things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I especially with Tampa because they're not even a home run hitting team. I mean, they hit some home runs, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify them as a, as a home run hitting team like the Dodgers. And and when they're not hitting home runs, sometimes it takes Tampa to three hits to score, which is difficult at times. I mean, it's, it's just difficult. And but they're a really good team. Right, that's not what we're saying. I mean, Tampa is a is a pretty good team. Oh, yeah. yeah, and and their pitching is solid. And, and I think when you get to Blake Snell in the in the sixth game that you need, man, you ride him to the end. <laughs> you you yeah, you ride him to the end. And I I think of, um, you know, we had talked about Bob Gibson in the past. Like, can you imagine Kevin Cash going out there, <laughs> going to get. <laughs> It would be McCarver yeah. cutting him off at the line, saying, "Dude, get back in the dugout. He's not going to play with you." <laughs> exactly. Get back in that dugout, yeah, man. You know the, the, old, the old Bob Gibson line when Tim McCarver. And tell me if I'm repeating myself here. Yeah. When um, McCarver used to come out to the mound, he said, "The only thing you know about pitching is that you can't hit it. Now yeah. get back there." Back there. <laughs> yeah, and Snell's one a Cy Young. You know, what I mean, he's considered one of yes, the best pitchers in the league. You know, geez, oh man, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Dodgers pitch the same way. I mean, Dave Roberts yanking guys left and right, and that's why I don't want the DH because you can't do that if you got to throw a pinch hitter up there. You, you're definitely not doing it with a, in a two-one game. You know that that's well, one of the reasons it, I don't it, like the DH. And, and I've talked about this before, and and, and I agree with you because people say, well, how, how hard is it to make a, a double switch? But I, I think it's everything that goes behind that, right? Because now if you're in the sixth inning and you know that Snell's spot is coming up fourth or fifth, now when do you get your bullpen up? And you you get them up early, do you get them up late? And, you know, this has a real effect on, on pitchers and bullpen management, and you don't have those same kind of issues when you have a designated hitter. No. Uh-uh. And you don't have to think, all right, if we go into extra innings, I need to keep one guy back. Like, I can't. Correct. Yeah. And, but you don't have to think like that. Because you definitely don't want to use all your players and then go into the 12th, and you got second or third with one out, and you got to hit a, pit, a relief pitcher because you don't have any other players. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I don't like it. I, I, the other thing that was interesting, and I, I, I caught it at different angles, the Manny Margot stealing home. Did you, did you yeah, see it live? You know, I, I, I love that. I, I don't know if, if you if they had actually pulled back when they were showing that live, and you know, I I, I glanced up. I'm like, he's stealing home. Yeah. And um, you know, I, why do you think he was safe? I think at first glance, I thought he was, but I okay. Yeah, but 
pitch stealing against Kershaw is the perfect opportunity, right? He's a lefty, got his back to you. They already got the shift going. There's their base was nowhere near that bag. And he has that crazy lift his arms all the way up stretch move. Yeah, Kershaw did a good yeah. job recognizing it, stepping off and make He it, did. Yeah, because if he that throws off to the right, it's not close. Margot gets in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought it, and that was one of the more exciting plays, you know, other than the ending of what was it, game game four with the base <laughs> hits. Um, with a Rose and Reina on, on second base and Brett Phillips, um, you know, and Bill talked about this, right? If, yeah. For anybody that didn't see it, Brett Phillips hits a ball into the outfield, and I'm trying to think who was playing center field. Was, it wasn't was it it Bellinger was, that, that, that kind of kicked it around a little bit? It was Chris Taylor. Okay. All right. And then a Rose and Reina stumbles going around third base, and you think he's going to be thrown out, and the ball go, goes off Austin Barnes' glove, and you know, the run scores as, as Rosarena is, like, you know, pat falling across the plate. And it, it really <laughs> reminded me, as Bill t- texted us, uh, of a wiffle ball game. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It, and when you see it, like, when when you see it in different angles, you know what I mean, when you see the camera with the guy falling and the center fielder kicking the ball around and the catcher thinking he caught it with <laughs> and the ball's in the backstop, it's like it's crazy. It's like a circus out there. And yeah. and the fact that that was the winning run makes it even all the more, like, weirder. Like, <laughs> like that's how that game ended. You know, you probably walk yeah. in the dugout like, what the hell just happened? Like, what the hell was that? And I don't know if he would have I, – I don't know if Taylor has the arm to throw him out anyway. Maybe he did, but I, it would have been close either way, I think. You know? So, I, yeah, I don't think it would have mattered even if he picked the ball well, up. Well, it, 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 it was a relay, right? Taylor threw it into um, um, Max Muncy, and I think the ball uh, – Muncy kind of threw the ball off line. He did. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it would have been close if uh, – yeah, Rosarina didn't, didn't fall. But it was funny, though. Yeah, that, that whole thing was <laughs> – Oh my gosh. Hey, so let's jump into let's jump into the the, the Bush League playoff picks. I, I, again, the uh, disclaimer here is I, I lost Tom's picks, so um, I don't know who he would have picked. But a um, couple people nailed the Dodgers, and and first and foremost, let's give credit to Bill because he he ran the National League. Um, he 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 got every one of the seven series in the National League um, correct. You know, picking um, Dodgers, Braves, Padres, and. And, and Marlins, and then Dodgers and Braves, and then the Dodgers to win the World Series. Um, we didn't ask him for the American League, um, but he, he he ran through that. Um, I, I had, uh, if you remember, I had the Dodgers and Rays in the World Series, and the Dodgers winning, so I, I nailed that piece of it. Um, I think you had the Dodgers losing to the Indians in the World Series. Is that correct? I, I did. Yeah, I had the Dodgers getting yeah. getting through the National League. And, okay. And, um, All right. You know, it's funny. They almost didn't. I mean, being down three-one to Atlanta, and Atlanta's pitching late an egg. But yeah, that that was that was close. I I, I thought the Braves were actually going to beat them, but yeah, that was that was a close yeah, series they, back then. They could have. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, and, and, and Casey, Casey did pretty well, although he had um, he had the the, um, the Braves um, winning the NLCS and and the World Series, and and Josh just picked the first round, but he had the Dodgers also. So. Um, so a, a good job. I don't think it was any surprise to anybody that the Dodgers won. Um, anything you want to uh, say before we move on to the next uh, yeah. subject about the were you, Dodgers? Were you half rooting for the Astros to see them play the Dodgers again? No, no, no not I, at all. I, 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 I really wanted, I really wanted the Astros to lose in the first round. I, I was upset that they uh, 
that they beat the Twins. I was upset that they beat the um, um, that they beat the A's. I, I wanted them not to even have a voice, and I, I just want people to continue to pile on. Yeah, I was rooting for him game seven. I wasn't rooting for him at the beginning of the series, but when I thought Tampa was going to blow a 3-0 lead, I thought, you know what, you deserve not to be there. So um, <laughs> I was rooting for Houston and L.A. I, I think that would have been cool. But, yeah, I mean, Tampa, Tampa's fine. I was rooting for them. R- rarely do I root for American League team, but, yeah, I was rooting, rooting for them. I was pulling for them. So, yeah, whatever. Um. And you mentioned, too, that Kevin Cash, uh, that's pretty Little League World Series, College World Series, and managed in the Major League World Series. Yeah, I, I heard that on, on, on the Fox broadcast. And, you know, speaking of the Fox broadcast, um, I, I like Joe Buck. I don't have a problem with him because of his, I, I guess part, part of it is I think he does a good job, but also his lineage, um, listening to his dad growing up, um, Jack Buck. Um, but I think, I think John's... Uh, Smoltz does a nice job, too, don't you think? Yeah, I like Smoltz. I like Darling, too. I like both of them. I wish it was just those two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I catch some uh, um, um, Mets games okay. uh, on MLB TV. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think Darling um, and Keith Hernandez do a good job on <laughs> yeah. the Mets broadcast. Yeah, I, I like I like Darling. Um, and I think oh, – or not I think. I'm pretty sure Cody Bellinger played in the Little League World Series as well. And I – uh, Justin Turner played in college and and major league world series and I guess that's becoming more prevalent right because a lot of these a lot of these guys definitely go to college um, it, it more than they used to so yes. yeah it was, it was cool and then uh, you know free agency started pretty much right away there's a you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks when it really gets hot but there's a lot of contracts that aren't being uh, you know they're they're buying the option out on these players and, and kicking them into free agency. And um, I, I think like you had talked before this pandemic creeping into the spring, baseball is not sure what, if it's going to have to, you know, play games without fans one more year. And um, they don't want to get stuck with these contracts. And, uh, but interesting, Tony La Russa gets hired by the White Sox. So he was fired, I think in 1986 from the White Sox. I think it was his last Okay, wow, 86. I, I have to look that up. But uh, w- what are your thoughts on La Russa coming back? Um, I'm, a, I'm a bit surprised, right? Because, you know, he's already in the fall, Hall of Fame. He's, he's been out the last time he had managed, um, which was 2011, um, when he won the World Series with the Cardinals. And, it, you know, you talk about your perfect endings. Like, I guess that's the perfect way to go out the way we all kind of want, want to go out. But I, I, I guess he didn't like, I'm guessing here that he didn't like the front office type of work. And he probably just has that itch to get back into, into baseball. And, you know, how much has the game, let me ask you, how much has the game changed in, in 10 years? And is he going to be able to, to get, be given freedom not to really do things, sabermetrically, if you will. Because I, I guess in his own mind, he's kind of done that already, right? He's, he, he's a bit of a sabermetrician before it was a, a thing. Yeah, and I'm sure he's had that conversation with the White Sox. Like, you know, look, a computer's not spitting out the lineup to me every night. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the lineup in pencil like I've done for 40 years. But, yeah, he, he was an out-of-the-box thinker. He was one of the first ones to bat the pitcher eighth, right? Wasn't, wasn't he... A guy that would 
do that? Yeah, he had done he had done that occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think too that I think it shows you that um, the White Sox aren't far off because I'm sure he wouldn't want to take on a complete rebuild, right? I, I'm 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 pretty sure he thinks the White Sox are right there, and yeah, yeah. That so that it tells me that about that. He did get fired in '86. Um, and he got hired a couple, probably about a week later, by the A's, and was eleven games over five hundred with a team he had no idea who they were for half the season. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's cool for Chicago. I I think it puts them back on the map. They haven't had a well, they, they had Ozzie Guillen for a while, who who put them in Sports Center highlights and got them talking because he was so crazy. But I, I think it puts the White Sox back on the map a little. Hey, a couple of things to that. Um, let, let's talk about two, two managers. First of all, just um, uh, the manager that Larusa is replacing, uh, Rick Renteria. I, I, how bad do you feel for this guy? Because he got the boot. He got the boot in Chicago before. I think it was before Madden came in. Yeah. And you know, he, they, then they went to World Series, and, and not through his own fault. I mean, he, he had again. He had a really young club that he kind of brought to close to the brink of getting to the playoffs. Now he does the same thing at a cross-town rival White Sox and gets the boot again. Yeah, that's kind of tough to swallow, huh? Yeah. Um, right, I for- right. I forgot about the Cub thing. He was only there for a year. But, yeah, he was he won 73 games with that team. And and then he takes a really bad Chicago team. And he, he – did they – they made the playoffs, right? They make the playoffs this year? When he was when, – when he's with the Cubs or – No, or this no, year? this year with the – With the White Sox. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, the White Sox made it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They played the A's. That's right. And 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 then the only other thing that I want to talk about in terms of managers that when you were talking about Ozzie Gann, this is kind of a side note, but one of the things I remember is he, you know he was just so good for so many quotes that uh, yeah. <laughs> they had asked him when he was moving from uh, the White Sox to the Marlins, "Are you going to bring any of your coaches with you?" And he said, "No. Why would I? They got me fired." <laughs> Yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, and he he was yeah, he he was kind of cool, but you know, he's a guy that played for two really good managers. He played for Tony Russo when he was younger, and then he played for Bobby Cox when he was older and and he coached with Bobby Cox and yeah, um okay. Yeah, so of course, I'm sure that yeah, Cox and Russo would say, "Hey, dude, don't say that out loud." Like you say that in, in your office. <laughs> <laughs> not to the Chicago Tribune. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think it is interesting about La Russa, and, and I think it shows you the White Sox aren't far off, which they aren't. I mean, you can just look at the naked eye, and they, they got some young players that are pretty solid. Um, and they were actually in the running for Manny Machado, and, and that would that would look pretty good in their lineup right now. Um yeah, so I, I think I think of offensively, I think I think the uh, the White Sox are there. I, I think they need to get a little bit more pitching behind Giolito. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. They're not they're not far off. And you know, in our discussions in our next podcast, probably at the end of November, we'll talk about free agency and you know who can be picked up. And as you had pointed out, just a lot of the contracts that are being dumped right now because of the whole financial situation in baseball. Yeah, um, and yeah, and there's going to be a lot of guys who may not even come back. I mean, I, I think about John Lester, and the money's just not going to be out there for John Lester. John, if John yeah. Lester's going to pitch in the major leagues, he's going to take a huge pay cut. 
a huge pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the gone gone are the days of thirty five year old lefty that is half washed up getting a three year deal of thirty six million. Like that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. We're talking to you, Cole Hamels. <laughs> yeah, we're t- we're talking to you, Cole Hamels. Yeah, maybe him and Lester. Yeah, they they better start a podcast because they're not going to be pitching in Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, not at twelve million a year. Maybe for five hundred thousand dollar minor league contract. We'll see. We'll see how you do. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, and we got today in baseball history. So. Uh, today, Denny McLean is the unanimous choice for an American League Cy Young Award. Uh, he's and again, he's the last guy, thirty-one and six, thirty-one six, last thirty-game winner. And he was twenty-four years old when he did that. Um, wow. Yeah. So he would win it again uh, uh, the next season, and then pretty much fall off the planet. Um, of course, he won the World Series that year with the Tigers. Uh, the, he and he pitched for a couple teams after detroit he didn't pitch in st louis did he he pitched in st louis no okay. no he pitched against st louis in the 60 yeah 68 and six, excuse me 68 world series yeah yeah um yeah then then we all know about the trials and tribulations of denny mclean um 1984 this is kind of interesting I, I forgot about this when i read it that uh peter uberoth was named the uh the incoming uh commissioner of baseball replacing Bowie Kuhn. Um, you met her, do you remember Peter Ubroth? I, I, I do. And, and this is this is fresh off of his successful, uh, at least financially successful, um, um, run in the Olympics because he was the coordinator. I'm not sure what they what, what they call that. Uh, right. Uh, for, for the 1984 Olympics held in Los Angeles. And I guess most Olympics pre- before that date and after that date have been really run um, – financially in the red and he was very successful in getting that to uh, uh to be financially um in the green and um i, I don't know I, I don't really know much about his his stay as commissioner um his history as a commissioner in major league baseball what, what do you remember about him i i don't remember a lot of, i do remember the olympic thing and of course i mean it's it's easy to make money when the Russians don't come and we win every damn gold medal in the Summer Olympics. So if you can't make money off that Olympics and it's in your home country, that's a problem. Um, I just remember he was more hip, young, than Bowie Kuhn. Bowie Kuhn looked like okay. like an old history teacher that you just despise looking at. <laughs> and you, Roth, looked like, like the cool cool guy. Like, he, you know, he was on the cover of Time, Sports Illustrated. He just, yeah, I, I don't know what he did. Um, he wasn't there that long, right? Because Bart Giamatti came a couple years after that. Or he, no, Bart Giamatti was a, was a National League commissioner, and then then he replaced Ubrow. So he wasn't there that long. Um, and uh, it'd been interesting if Ubrow was there. If Ubrow was there during the Pete Rose scandal, that would have been yeah. that would have been interesting how he handled that, right? Be- mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, Giamatti, of course, kicks him out. I, it would have been curious to know what Ubroth would have done, but, we, you know, we're never going to know that. Um, and then in 2000, and this, I look back on this sometimes, and I, I think this is a, there's, so year 2000, the Phillies hired Larry Boa to manage the team, and he replaces uh, Terry Francona. Well, we all know what happened to Terry Francona. Apparently he can manage when he has good players. 
the problem with Francona during those years is the Phillies were god-awful. I mean, they were horrible. They were a horrible team. That, it, there's no way to explain it other than that. And I think if they would have hung on to him, I, I think the Phillies, when they got to that 2006 era, 2006 to 2012, I, I think he would have been a valuable asset for the organization. But, you know, again, we'll never know. Uh, I, I, you're not a Phillies fan, so you probably don't even remember that, do you? Um, you're correct. I'm not a Phillies fan, and I don't remember much of that other than to say that, you know, Terry Francona could actually won another World Series um, and probably should have in two, was it 2015 or 16, 16 with the Indians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he won two with the Red Sox and then, yeah, got to there with the Indians. So let me ask you something here because, you know, the, the one thing I do know is that you know, two different styles of managing between Larry Boa and Francona. You couldn't get more polar opposite. Who would you have played better under? Uh, Larry Boa, because I needed that. Really? Like, I, yeah, I, I needed that type of – yeah, I never minded it. Yeah. Okay. Then, All right, because for me, it would have been Francona by far. Yeah, I, I never minded any – I never minded being coached like that. And the fact that there's right. part of me that needed it. Uh, I'm going to send this out, or, or I'm going to ask everybody that listens to the podcast, please text us and let us know which manager you would have played better under, Larry Boa or Terry Francona. You know, when I was at that fantasy Phillies camp, I guess it was like 2013, uh, and I'm not going to name names, but almost every player that I talked to about Boa, they all hated him, like despised him. Really? Just despised him. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, I actually know firsthand and had his phone number. The guy that ran that fantasy camp down there um, for for fifteen or twenty years before he left um, a couple of years ago. So um, I'm, I'm sure he he's a very politically correct person. So he would never say anything about the uh, some of the people there. But uh, well, th- these were uh, guys. You back up that story. Yeah, these were guys who played for Boa. Gotcha. The, yeah, they played for him and they despised him. <laughs> couldn't stand them. Yeah. yeah, every last one of them. And I, I would ask him like, why? 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 Do you, like, and they would tell me stories. And uh, and on the surface, if you don't understand the context of the story, which I didn't all the time, I would think, all right, yeah, I can see how that could rub you the wrong way. But you know, yeah. Again, when you ask me, I I never minded that. And um, yeah, sometimes I needed it. So yeah, I, I, I although I think he was kind of brutal. Though Kruk didn't mind. Yeah. Yeah, Kruk doesn't say bad things about him. So, um, okay. And then uh, we have the last section. You remember last week when I mentioned about um, having a wing of the Hall of Fame for players who maybe not are Hall of Fame players but have significant contribution or cultural contribution to the game? Remember we talked about that? I, I do, and, and I think we got, um, besides you and me, uh, we got um, Rick Lake um, actually was one of the first to to add a contribution in, in terms of who he thought one of these players might be. Right, so uh, I, I'm going to throw out a couple names, and, and then I, I just, I'm going to want your thoughts on them. So I, I, okay. I have a name for it in Cooperstown. It'll be called the Rooster Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in the rooster wing, the initial inductees would be, of course, Julio Franco, uh, 
I, I threw some stats out last year. He played 23 years. Last year he was 48 years old. He actually played in the American League, the National League, the Mexican League, the Korean League, and the Japanese League. He played in all five. Holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, I mentioned Jamie Moore. He pitched 25 years, lasted 49 years old. Um, he won 21 games at the age of 40 and 269 wins, right? So he's going to be in there. Then we got Tommy John, who pitched for 26 years, 288 wins. His name is in the lexicon of baseball. And I would argue that there are millennials, many millennials, who are true baseball fans who know what Tommy John surgery is and have no idea who Tommy John is. Hey, what was the chance that Tommy John actually had a surgery named after him? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it was, just, it was a bad joke. I forget what comedy show I had that. Uh, but, but, yeah, um, you know, t- Tommy John's career could have ended um, at age 31. It was it 1974 yeah. where he had the surgery in 75, the whole er- experimental surgery, and yeah. he came back and pitched, what, eight more years after that? Uh, he pitched yeah. effectively. Yeah, he pitched effectively. Yeah, uh, he had a 3-3 career ERA at 288 wins. That's pretty impressive. So Tommy John is is one of the initial inductees. Now, this may be a surprise, Jay. Mark Belanger. Now, I only ever watched him play. He played with the Orioles for 18 years. I only ever watched him play in the playoffs and then, like, the NBC Game of the Week or Monday Night Baseball. But he is second in career defensive war. Second to only Ozzie Smith. So here's a couple things that I remember about Mark Belanger, because you're right. He played in an era where you didn't get to see him that often. Um, he wore the, the, the plain black spikes yep. that weren't very flashy. He was not very flashy. Nope. Um, I think he smoked I think he smoked in the dugout he did. with Earl Weaver. Yep. Um, and in APA baseball that Bill and I used to play, he had a 10 defensive rating in, at shortstop, which is the highest rating you could get um, for a shortstop or for any player to, uh, defensively. Yeah, yeah, and every player in the top ten of the career defensive war is in the Hall of Fame, except for Omar Vizquel, and he will be, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So, Mark Belanger's not going to get. He'll make sure of it. Yeah, he's going to be in the Rooster Wing. Uh, then I have, <laughs> I have Rusty Staub, Legrand Orange, twenty three years uh, in baseball, played one hundred fifty games as a nineteen year old kid for the Colt Forty Fives. So he's thirteenth all time games played, twenty nine fifty one. And he's 65th in all-time hits, 27-16. So LeGrand Orange is going to be in the Hall of Fame, in the Rooster Wing. Do you remember him playing? I, I, I do. And they loved him yeah. in, in Montreal, yep. right? He was yep. he was the first big star um, in, 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 in Montreal baseball. Um, I, I think the problem was is, is that I, I guess he did get to one World Series, right? They, uh, when they played yep. in... Um, 73 uh, Mets. Was it 73? Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. All right. But but he didn't have much ex- um, exposure outside of that. But, uh, yeah, what a what a great player. When I'm looking at the stats here, it's like, wow. I didn't yeah. realize he did all of this. Yeah, uh, great player. Uh, next would be Bartolo Colon. <laughs> 20, <laughs> 21 years, 11 teams, 247 wins, 2,500-plus Ks. He made the all-star team at 43 years old with the Mets. So Bartolo will be in there. 
Remember he hit that home run um, a couple years ago? <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just going to say, one of the favorite clips that I like to watch on MLB is Bartolo Colon hitting the home run and then him getting into the home run trot. And my guess is that wasn't really a trot. That's probably about the fastest he could run. He was probably exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He only played on 11 different teams. Um, you know, we talked earlier uh, this year on the podcast. I think uh, Edwin Jackson has him beat in terms of the number of teams he played for. Yeah, what did he play for, like 17? Something like yeah. that, yeah. He, 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 yeah, o- over half of the major league teams. <laughs> and then my last, or uh, Charlie Lau. Do you remember Charlie Lau, the hitting coach? I do. Yeah, so Charlie Lau was the hitting coach between 71 and 83 for the Royals, the Yankees, and the White Sox. And he was with the White Sox with La Russa. Lau passed away, and I think in 84 he died of cancer. But Charlie Lau was the first hitting guru, right, where he talked, where he had a philosophy on how to hit a baseball and he taught it that way. And you, you can see a lot of his um, uh, protégés would hit like that. I mean, you look at it like Mattingly hit like George Brett, uh, Ozzie Guillen when he was w- with the White Sox, um, uh, uh, Ron Kittle. So he was the first one to have a philosophy on hitting and teach it. Uh, that whole weight shift thing that hitters do – for the past 30 years is Lau. Lau was the first one to actually put words to that movement. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I think Charlie Lau doesn't get enough credit. Lou Pinello said he's the greatest hitting coach he's ever played for. And wasn't Charlie Lau credited for the one-hand follow-through? Wasn't that one of the bigger um, things as well? Right. So he he was, and, and it was kind of misconstrued. So Lau didn't necessarily say take your top hand off. It was – if you can't get the extension that you need, take your top hand off. Like if, gotcha. yeah, because his point was to extend, everything gets extended through the ball and up and over. So, um, so it'd be a little, he was a little more on hitting the top half of the ball. That that's what his philosophy was. Of course, now it's hit underneath the ball or don't hit the ball. That's, that's the yeah. hitting philosophy now. But Charlie Lau was a, was was the first hitting guru, and you'll see, and we see that a lot now in baseball with the leg kicks and the timing and all that other stuff. But the, specifically, the weight shift was the Lau was the first one to put words to that that kind of movement. Um, and then you, you had brought up uh, Kurt Flood as, as being in the Rooster Wing. Talk about why you think Kurt Flood ought to be in this part of the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, beyond, um, he, I think one of the things that people overlook was was that um, he was a great uh, defensive um, center fielder. Um, unfortunately for him, he happened to play uh, at the same time as Lou Brock and, and, and Bob Gibson. You know, he was on those teams in the mid-60s that went to three World Series. You know, he had won, uh, he was on a three-time uh, All-Star team um seven-time Gold Glove winner and received MVP votes six times. But I think what makes him stand out is not so much uh, what he did as a player, um, but how he challenged the reserve clause when he was traded, um, I think it was 71, um, traded by the Cardinals to the Phillies. Yeah. And um, he basically said, listen, uh, I'm not going to go there, and I want to be declared a free agent. I should be able to choose what team – I play for, which is unheard of at, at that time. And, um, you know, he essentially did come back. to. He set up 
I think it was a year or two. He never did play for the Phillies. No. And he did come back and play, I think it was um, for the Senators for, for a half of, I don't know, a month or something like that. Never played effectively thereafter. But even though he lost his case, he paved the way for free agency. So a lot of these players that are getting million-dollar contracts, uh, multi-million-dollar contracts, really owe a debt of gratitude to, to Kurt Flood and what he did. Because he basically, uh, once he challenged that, he was blackballed from baseball and never to really play again. Um, do, do you think? Do, yeah. do you think that um, what he did improved baseball or hurt baseball? Well, back. yeah, I, I guess it depends how you look at it, but he certainly helped the cause of the players, and and it, it, it may be a, a little overcorrected now, but um, I think it's because there's so much money involved. But no, I I think you know when you mentioned there about the ten five rule, that old ten years in the league, five with the same team, and you essentially become an unrestricted free agent. And um, yeah, I I think it is good. Because it allows teams to not only uh, add without subtracting, like you can sign a free agent without having to trade for him, but it provides the the, the player a little more autonomy on where he, he wants to play, you know. So, so yeah, one of the things I wanted to do, and um, I, well, surprising, I forgot to do this because I, you know my my time is so busy right now um, <laughs> <laughs> that I, I wanted to see. The 20 years before um, the reserve clause ruling and the 20 years after. And, and how many teams actually made the World Series and how many won um, before and after. Because I, I want to say, as a fan, um, free agency has been actually good for, for baseball, that more teams have won. And, and it's not all due to free agency, but I think in large part, um, you can tie it back to free agency. And Kirk Flood had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I, I... – I definitely agree with you, and I, and I think it was he definitely ought to be recognized, yes, for what he did for the game. And let me tell you, the owners may complain, but it felt good to John Middleton that he had a he had an equal opportunity to go get what who he thought was the best player in baseball at that time, Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper felt pretty good about it too. So yeah, as much as the owners complain about salaries, they end up paying it, and. And, yeah, they, they like it as much as the players do because you can improve your team pretty quickly. Just think of the Yankees. <laughs> For, uh, that, that reserve clause s- starts in 74, and Steinbrenner buys the team, and he's buying everyone. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't mind it. He had no problem with that. So, How about this, simplistically? If, if you can stick it to the man, then I'm behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're the man. Then you don't want to be stuck. Unless you're the man. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And then you also want to add uh, Fernando Valenzuela to the Rooster Wing. Yeah, you know, um, in, in 1994, when baseball was coming back from 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 the strike, you know, a lot of people credited Cal Ripken, and, and for good reason. You know, it gave baseball a diversion other than talking about the strike. They were able to talk about um, Cal Ripken's consecutive game um, streak. Um, Fernando broke onto the scene. I guess his first real big season was 1981. And yeah. I don't know if you remember. You were, you were young in that, right? You were 15, so you probably remember. No, yeah, but, I remember that. When he yeah. came onto the scene, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, that was 1981. He won 13 games that year, um, started 25 games, um, 
was just a really big deal for three or four years. And I think more than his statistics, which which weren't bad. I mean, he had a 17-year career, um, which I was actually surprised by. I, I just think he, he did a lot for, for for baseball and was, you know, he, he didn't look like a pitcher, right? He didn't have the physique uh, of a pitcher these days. What was he, like 5'10", 200 pounds, something like yeah, that? Yeah, And, uh, you know, had that crazy look to the sky when he was when he was yeah. dealing as a left-hander. Yep. And um, so he, he was just a little bit outside of the box of somebody that I would like to see in, in the rooster wing. Yeah, and when you can have something called Fernando Mania take over the country and also take over Mexico, another country, yeah, I think you yeah. need to be honored to be in the, the, the rooster wing of the, of the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, that because that was complete mania when Fernando stepped on the scene. Yeah. Uh, 81 was other than the strike, and that was a pretty vicious strike if you're a kid because you got nothing to do during the summer. Um, yep. Was Fernando Valenzuela and Pete Rose chasing Stan Musial, right, C- coming out of the break. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and actually the Dodgers won the World Series that year, 81. I think they beat they, the Yankees. They did. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was there when they won in 81 and 88, right? He was, yeah. Certainly a bigger player in '81, but yeah, he was he was with the team in '88 too. So yeah, two World Series. Uh, yeah, nice job by Fernando. Yeah, definitely Fernando Valenzuela. And then uh, the one uh, nominee we got from Rick was uh, Mark the Bird Fidrich. There's another mania type thing, right? With the bird. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research on him. I, I guess I didn't realize that he only played five years, and his biggest year was his rookie year in 1976. Um, he won Rookie of the Year that year, um, placed uh, 11th in MVP voting, went 19-9 and with a 2.34 ERA. But here's what, one of the things that was really interesting with him. Besides, he was a very eccentric pitcher, um, you know, named um, Big Bird. In that year, when he went 19-9, uh, he, he threw 250 innings. He only struck out 97 batters. Yeah, I'm seeing that. And he walked 50. Yeah, walked yeah. 53. So, I mean, that, that is not a pitcher that you would see today that he would even get a chance, I don't think, to play. And um, did you see, there was a special, I think it was on MLB, uh, about Mark Fidrich. And you were talking about how they still love him yeah. in, in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was that was a good documentary. And I didn't, I mean, we had talked about it. He, he was out of baseball at 25 years old, and he was a high school kid, so he – 25 years old with no education beyond high school and probably limited money because they didn't make a lot. And, um, yeah, he seemed pretty cool about it. I think he, what he become a truck driver? Is that what he did? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 He had his own trucking company. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, definitely a, a, someone who sparked the interest of baseball. He pitched in the 76 all-star game. He started and that was in Philadelphia and he was the one who used to talk to the ball, you know, he would manicure the mound, right? You remember all that? Jump over he, the yeah. foul line. Yeah, yeah jump, jump over the foul line. Jump right? over the yeah. foul line. Yeah, he just looked like he was just having fun. And, yeah, it would have been interesting if he could have hung on for the early 80 Tiger teams and and, and been, a, been a player. So, yeah, uh, definitely Mark Fidrich uh, into the wing. The only other guy I wanted to bring up, and I bring him up a lot just in conversation, but I, I – and I really think he should be in the regular Hall of Fame, but I'm going to stick him in the rooster wing, and that's Al Oliver. Wait, wait, wait for it. Wait, wait, wait for it, everybody. Wait for it. Everybody knows what's coming. Who is it? Al Oliver. 
All right. There we go. 18, <laughs> 18 years. Uh, uh, top 50 all-time in doubles. Uh, 58th in hits. He has a career 303 batting average. From 76 to 84, it's nine consecutive years he hit over 300. And 11 to 13 years, he hit over 300 from 72 to 84. And this is what sticks out to me, right, with him. So his average year is 619 at-bats. That's official at-bats. That's not including walks, hit-by-pitches, sacrifices. 619 at-bats. Average year. His average year, he struck out 52 times in those 619 at-bats. Wow. So you do the percentage. 92% of the time, he's put the ball in play. I mean, that's crazy. That's the same percentage as Tony Gwynn. Right? Yeah, so, so let me ask you a question here. Do you think Al Oliver may have suffered from, you know, being on some great teams, but he wasn't the best player on the team? I guess when he started, you know, he was right in the shadow of uh, Roberto Clemente, and then you get into the We Are Family years, and you got Willie Stargell on the team. You, you got um, – and then you move into the Dave Parker era, that type of thing. Do you think he just got overshadowed at, because – a lot of these numbers that you're throwing out here, I'm like, I had no idea. He, he never seemed to be the big star on that team. Well, the problem is in 1977, I have to look it up, 77 or 78, he he got traded for Burt Blylevin to the Rangers. So he wasn't on that We Are Family team. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. so Blylevin. So he played in Texas for five years. And then oh, he, oh, yeah, that right there. And then he gets the free agent, or no, he got traded to the Expos in 82. 1982 was after the strike, yeah. Yes, 82. He yep. gets traded to the Expos in 82 for Larry Parrish. That, uh, Oliver should have won the MVP, and he finished third. So uh, I think Dale Murphy won the MVP, and Pedro Guerrero finished second. Uh, yeah, so I think it was '82. So, um, and and yeah. the year that that year in in Montreal, of course, they didn't win the division, um, but he led he led the league in hitting, and I think he led the league in RBIs too. I'm, I'm looking it up now. He did. Yeah, so he led the league. 109. Yeah, hits, doubles, RBIs, and he hit 331 and led the league, and he finished third. So. Um, yeah, and that would I I think that hurt him. I mean, you get traded to Texas, that's the end. That's the end of the road right there. So he finished tied for third with Pedro Guerrero. Lonnie Smith finished second. Del Mur Murphy finished first. Um, yeah. I, I want to say, though, he, you know, despite all these indignities, um, he was able to get on the 1984 um, Blue Lights. He was, yes. Team. They, on your yeah. team, right? He was, yep. Uh, I, I think in 85, he was with the Blue Jays, so I, I didn't have him. But, yes, he was on my 84 team. Yeah, so I think he – I think That's he, a good one. <laughs> I think he ought to be in there. And then the last one I had was uh, the other guy, Bill Madlock, Mad Dog. Uh, he only played 15, Mad Dog. 15 years, four National League batting titles. Listen to this, Jay. His first five years in the big leagues, he hit over 300 and won the batting title twice. So <laughs> – yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. That's like pool. That's like pool hooks. Yeah, that's like coming in. It's like, all right, this is just like high school. I'm still the best. You know, between this pitcher, I'm still better. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I, I I thought he was. He only had two thousand hits. 
and he would get hurt a lot and he, he wouldn't play every day. And, and, uh, but yeah, I, I just love, I, I think he was a classic, classic. He, he's a guy that can play in any air too. He just hit the baseball. Like you, you're going to find a guy, you're going to find, um, you're, you're going to find a spot for someone like that. And four batting titles, uh, and he won two with Chicago and I think he won two with Pittsburgh. So yeah. you brought him up before, um, he had started, um, I guess his career, um, in Texas yeah. and moved to Chicago, correct? Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and it was just good to get out of Texas, correct? Well, Whitey Herzog didn't want to trade him. Yeah. He, he, he didn't want to trade him. That was one of the guys that he didn't want traded, and they did. And so I think that was – remember that Herzog got fired because he couldn't get along with that owner, and I think this this was part of it. Yeah. He didn't want to trade him or Jim Bibby, and they traded them both, and they both won a World Series with Pittsburgh. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Whitey is right again. I guess Whitey he, is always right in my book. I guess he was right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think they're good additions. I, yeah, the Kurt Flood thing definitely uh, needs to be in there. And uh, I forgot about Fernando, that Fernando mania in '81. So um, yeah, yeah. That, that that's that, and and that's a wing when you go in there, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, he was a good player. So he- right, yeah. Here's what I would ask everybody that, that listens to it is still send us your um, who you would have, um, who you would add to the, the rooster wing. You can either text us or uh, send it to uh, uh, tweet us. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the Twitter handle? At the Bush League One. At the Bush League One. All right. And it'll be safer to go on uh, uh, on Twitter after the election, so you guys can wait until then. No one follows us. It's fine. Yeah. The Russians aren't hacking us. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I meant for your mental health, that's uh, all. Oh, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to prep for this meeting on Wednesday. That's that's what I got to do. That, that's my number one focus. Yeah, please let us know. Please yeah. let us know. This 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 will be good. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to hear about this. And it, um, I, I want to hear how you interject the uh, the podcast on here. Yeah, I, I, I got to figure out a way to, to get that <laughs> get that in. I, Remember, it's about us. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely about us at this point. Uh, yeah, so, um, I, yeah, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a type of thing like, yeah, that reminds me of a conversation I had on our podcast. Yeah. And she'll say, what? what? And I think, oh, yeah, me and a buddy of mine have a podcast. And, oh, yeah, let me send it to you. And I'll just switch the topic like that. Yeah. Anyway. We got a double-digit uh, subscription rate. Yeah. And, <laughs> hey, everybody, be- be- before Wednesday, please like and subscribe to us. We need to get over 10. <laughs> Yeah, I keep yeah. I, I, Christy keeps making fake Twitter handles just to like us even more. So most of that. <laughs> there you go. We need <laughs> Russian help in that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, Sam Kirk, November seventh. That's next week, right? Yeah. So we. Yeah, yeah next Saturday. Yeah, nineteenth uh, birthday. Um, I talked to Bob. Seems to be doing well up at Penn State. So, um, I, I don't think he's been affected yet I, and i think they're doing hybrid stuff up there half class half online type thing gotcha yeah but full tuition <laughs> <laughs> absolutely full tuition so yeah sam kirk is 19 and this what's his this is his third year yes yeah, yeah this year was a, he just completed his third year okay good for him um yeah that's and and uh we'll be back in two weeks um, no, probably uh, the end weeks? of November, probably around okay. Thanksgiving time. Um, 
at, at that time, what, one of the things we should be talking about is any any tweets, um, any uh, text that we get. Um, we'll have postseason. We'll discuss postseason awards at that time, and also talk about uh, talk about free agency. Yeah, that that's going to be a hot topic. That free agency thing. This is going to be a weird winter, and um, you know, uh, guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado ought to feel good about they came under free agency when they did. And Mookie Betts, yeah. And absolutely. Mookie Betts, yeah. Uh, and the Dodgers actually took a chance on him now and signed him, right? They, they yeah, signed they him did. that deal. 12 so, years. Yep. And they did it. And uh, actually, that looks pretty good. So, And, and if they start a bowling team, he can play there, too. Because I think he's a good bowler. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, our, our Mookie Betts of bowling is, is Bob Kirk. So uh, oh, we'll yeah. put him up against the, the Mookie. We'll see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, though he had those couple of years where he couldn't play with the finger when he hurt his finger. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he wants to hear about that. So. <laughs> All right, you got anything else? Uh, nope, just vote early and vote often, everybody. No. <laughs> you can't vote often. It's vote- oh, okay. Then, then the only thing I got to say is Tony Kornheiser would say, good night, Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so – all right, so we'll we'll be in touch. We'll we'll send out when we're going to be out there on the waves again. Um, probably, yeah, like you said, around Thanksgiving. So, all right, people, I'll see you tomorrow. All right, champ. Yep. Or chief, chief, chief. See you, take champ. Care.